Somebody oh, see, drums? that might have been me typing. Sorry, let me turn off almost. I was tweeting to <laughs> let people know this was here, and apparently I uh, spammed everyone's ears with horrible noises. Sorry about that, folks. <laughs> it, sounded like, it sounded like a drums performance. Oh, dear. My yeah. apologies. No, no, it's good. Um, so that's what it sounds like if you type when you don't mute yourself, folks. <laughs> um, no, so, yeah, this is recorded. Um and we do these as a way of bringing together some who are in the misinformation, uh, like the anti-misinformation community, um, uh, to the extent we can as Prism Meta News, trying to like do some of that connective tissue. I, I found it really delightful, actually, to um, just pick a topic, uh, bring some people together, chat through, you know, um, you got all the experts you could ask for um, here on twitter.com for whatever remaining time we have before the whole thing sinks to the bottom of the ocean, as it were. But um, <clears throat> we're going to make good use of it, and uh, we're going to get this one. It, additionally, by way of admin and related to recording, I don't know if anybody else has done a space before. We've had these before, and they were recorded. And then Twitter has the data, but it turns out it kind of like expires. I'm sure there was a way to know this, but it wasn't like really clear to me that it, it goes away after 90 days. So I thought like, oh, like it's in the permanent record. Like, here's the, you know, the tweet that has the thing. You can click on it and say, listen to the recording. Well, it turns out that that goes away. And if you haven't requested your, if you haven't done an archive of your data where you're like, click the request button and then go and actually download and they send you the email 20 minutes later. That's uh, forever. So, Unfortunately, slightly earlier to history, um, but yeah, we're doing I mean, what we can. I'm going to make sure this one gets downloaded right away afterwards. So we'll put it up. It'll be via, well, it'll probably be up through our like podcast channel. Welcome, and thanks for joining. And if you like this kind of thing, please retweet it, invite people to come in as we're, as we're doing it. And if you want to know when we're doing them in the future, please follow Prism Meta News. Because it is really irregular. I think the last one we did was in June. And then I just overwhelmed to do anymore. <laughs> Until <laughs> last week, I got kind of like amped up about it again. So yeah, follow us for that. You can subscribe to the Prism newsletter. I, I sometimes mention when the meetups are happening there. And it's just, uh, it's just a good newsletter to be, to be reading about all the happenings in misinformation in a given week. So that's my little pre-pitch, and with that, we're going to go ahead. Quick reminder that we're being recorded for folks who have dropped in since I last said that. And we're going to do some introductions here of our two panelists, uh, and I do want to just kind of tee up the topic really quickly. The uh, What I'm calling misinformationism in the midterms. This is kind of like, I don't. we can talk about specific instances of like, things that are being claimed to be fraud that are not. And especially this is happening in Arizona. We may, we may touch on that, but I think what I'd like to focus on is kind of the, to the extent that misinformation was on the ballot, right? we talked about democracy being on the ballot. Um, it was obviously Republicans versus Democrats. There were some conservative independents in the mix, uh, like Evan McMullen. To the extent that misinformation itself was on the ballot. I want to discuss that and kind of like, what can we understand from what happened in the midterms this last week? So I think most of the results that are pertinent to us are, are now known. And uh, as others are speaking, I'm going to go ahead and pin a couple of tweets from, uh, yeah, I know I saw one from you, Alex, that kind of like covers the, um, the QAnon candidates in the Juano Savin <laughs> I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. The Secretary of State and Governor kind of coalition. So we'll definitely be touching on that. I want to talk about how Arizona in particular did with their golden ticket that included just like, you know, a lot of people who are in the missing in the conspiracy theory camp, 2020 dead enders and so forth. And uh, and then if we have time, I'd like to kind of get into well, what does that mean for the coming year in politics? especially Trump announcing and the erosion, what I'm calling like the erosion of the permission structure where in after 2020, it was very much 
Trump lost, but he said he didn't. And that means a lot of other lost could say that they didn't. And so that structure was re- was really very strong. It helped that Trump wasn't on the ballot this time around, but I'd like to get into a little bit of the implications uh, there if we get a chance to. We're also going to try and keep this to like 35, 40 minutes if we can, just because it's late on a Saturday night. <laughs> but with that, thanks. And I'm going to hand over to Alex to do an introduction and Q Origins, and then we'll be off. All right. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, I am uh, Alex Kaplan. I'm a senior researcher at Media Matters, uh, focusing on social media misinformation and disinformation and online extremism. Uh, and uh, a lot of my focus has been, it doesn't, it's not just that, but a lot of my focus has been particularly on the influence and spread of uh, QAnon. Uh, and I'm uh, Al Jones, head of the Q Origins Project. Unlike Alex, I'm just some dude on the internet who reads brain-melting stuff and posts very hard about it, so I'm always grateful to uh, be given a chance to speak. Um, I also want to add that although I've sort of banged the drum about this to uh, this being the coalition of QPL candidates running for Secretary of State so much that I assume I know everything, I assume everyone here knows everything about it. Um, I would appreciate it if y'all could just give me a quick show of hands if you're sitting here like, eh, I heard hardly anything about it. Okay, I'm... Looks like somebody raised their hand. Everyone yeah. has heard things about it. No, it looks like one person raised their hand. Uh, oh, yeah, that was Lissy. I know Lissy knows about Lissy. it. Lissy. She's doing a bit, her. I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay, so I'd like then to just skip the general introduction and assume that you guys all know yes there's a QAnon influencer called Juan Savin. yes he's recruited a coalition of secretary of state candidates yes that's very bad and talk um a little bit more about mm, sort of what I think was going on behind the scenes on the actually let me let me back this train up a a stop or two Alex am I stepping on your feet here did you have stuff that you wanted to say because I'm just plunging right into my plan for what to say and that's rude of me um i don't know i mean i i i mean i i was gonna give some background but you know uh still um just like even if people know the the basics uh i felt that it was worth still giving some details some background yeah 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 sure uh by all means go go for the details because i really said two sentences which isn't much so go now yeah 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 sorry no, no, all good. Um, so, uh, as I think it sounds like everyone knows, there was this America First, that was what they called it, the Secretary of State Coalition, or America First Candidates Coalition, which was um, first announced, more, well, basically first got attention last year when a guy named Jim Marchant, uh, first Nevada Secretary of State, Republican, uh, went on stage at a QAnon conference in Las Vegas, uh, created, you know, which was established, or, uh, created by a guy known online as QAnon John, um, went on stage and announced that a guy named 107, who was also at this conference, had helped create, or had, like, helped recruit Marshawn to run and had co-established this uh, Secretary of State Candidates Coalition. Actually, Savinison's claimed that he even helped Marshawn with his legal efforts to challenge his 2020 congressional campaign loss. So he's gone further since then. Um, and, uh, other candidates in this coalition were at the conference. Uh, Christina Caramo, uh, who was a Michigan Secretary of State candidate, Mark Fincham, who was running for Secretary of State in Arizona, and Rachel Hamm, who was running for Secretary of State in California. Marshawn has named other people who were part of this coalition, even those who aren't running for Secretary of State because their positions would t- entail an election administration in some aspect, like uh, Doug Mastriano. Uh, Mastriano in Pennsylvania was running for governor. Uh, Carrie Lake in Arizona has said she was part of this coalition as well. There were others, but I'm particularly noticing the one. And Audrey, I think Trujillo, maybe butchering her name, who is running for Secretary of State in New Mexico, was also part of this coalition. Um, so there were others, but those are like some of the more pro- high profile ones. Um, and, you know, I, I think there was a lot of alarm about this because. You know, the, the, well, let's be up straight. These were all election denialists, right? Um, a 
conspiracy theory or conspiracy theories, what have you, that have become, and I can talk more about this later uh, because it's more than just Sabin, but a, one of the most high-profile examples of how the election denialist movement and QAnon have increasingly merged together um, and how QAnon has fueled the election denial movement in, the, in this country. Um, and you that was a, and this had been a particularly stark case where uh, QAnon using election, the, using the election denialist movement, uh, this QAnon influencer could essentially have brought election denialism right into our electoral system. Um, yes. And certain states caused chaos depending on what happened if, you, if they got elected. Yes. That's a good thing. Yeah. So it, and it, it should is, be noted, and uh, you may have said this already. I'm so, I apologize if I missed it, but 207 is not, he's not. Or I should say his name, his real name is Wayne Wallet. Wayne. Yeah. Let's say Wayne. So, yeah. I always call him Sad. It's just a habit. Um, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a nom de plume or nom de something. Um, yeah. I still don't clear totally why he calls himself that. We, we make guesses. We think it might be something oh. to do with Gematria or like. QAnon, yeah, because of 107. Yeah, and he, if you listen to him for long enough, you will hear him say that the thing about Gematria is the sure. zero doesn't count. And so, um, then that seven, the O, you get 17, Q is the seventh letter of the alphabet. I'm 99% sure that's right. Yeah, 107. Oh, oh I see. Okay. Yeah, so he's very clever. Yeah, yeah. That is super yeah. clever. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. I honestly, like, um, that's dumber than I could have imagined. Um, yes. Oh, all of his but... shit is dumber than you could have imagined. His whole deal. So this guy's entire brand is that he talks like he knows everything about everything and yep. will never explain how he knows anything about <laughs> anything. Um, you just have to take it on faith that he's right. And for a certain kind of person, and it must did work we, really did we well. talk about this already? People, what, who people think he is? Yeah. Um, so, Al, I don't know if you or Q or it's, I don't know if you. I don't want to interrupt you, but um, or oh. want oh, to no, take this. Ahead. Yeah. So, uh, the, and this is one of the reasons I think why he was invited to the QAnon conference. So, besides being an influencer, he is thought among. Oh, he's thought by some in the QAnon community to be John F. Kennedy yes. Jr. Um, for those who don't understand, who don't realize there is a, I would say, faction of the QAnon community that believes that John F. Kennedy Jr. is still alive. Uh, even Q has said this is not true, but they please. Um, and there have been multiple people who they believe are JFK Jr. Another one is a guy known, uh, known as or no, yes. uh, named Vincent Fusco, who actually ran for Senate this year too. Um, did not win. <laughs> no. um, and uh, but John, but uh, why don't, Wayne yeah. is well, it's another one. Um, yeah. Wayne is um, another one. So yeah, so sort of like related to that whole JFK Jr. Yeah. brain. Yeah. So. Let's, Let's back up a second and talk about um, kind of the, yeah, the, the candidates themselves, uh, like pilled yes. candidates themselves, right? And we could start yeah. with, we could start with like oh, yeah. Ron Watkins, right? Who also fizzled in the primary. Um, uh, yes, but, but sure. of course. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, but, but Ron wasn't part of the coalition, to be clear. There Ron. are QPL oh, candidates yeah, yeah. who are not part of the coalition. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think congressional candidates were part of the coalition. Yes. Um, like, for instance, Oregon's GOP senator candidate was, once again, Joe Ray Perkins, who the first time she won a primary expressly thanked Q, I believe also the Q team, uh, yeah. in her victory speech. So there's, there are, these are not the only politically consequential Q people yes. uh, on the national scene. Yeah, They're that's what I meant. I would like to now. just put into context that there is been, that's aimed at, like, election, taking the reins of election in. Um, you know, into the hands of the let's just help Trump win group. And then there's kind of like the broader conspiracy theory set of people, including uh, JR, I can't say his last name. Majewski, who actually JR was the QAnon supporter, but yeah. Yeah, like folks like that that are pilled who ran, who lost as well. Did, yeah. it, to our knowledge, did anybody I, I know the one guy in Indiana, but he's not like quite pilled, he just was part of the yeah, yeah. Uh, he's Diego Morales. He seems to be the most polished and uh, hardworking candidate out of all the group of folks that uh, the coalition recruited. And I want to be clear, the coalition's candidates were, for the most part, serious candidates. Many of them had, you know, were like sitting or former state legislators. Many of them had run campaigns for other offices. Um, there were a few total amateurs as well, but um, the but the guy in Indiana, Morales, really hustled. Um, Indiana 
Indiana's primary system is sort of every county political party can vote for a primary candidate. And he was crisscrossing the state, hitting multiple, you know, county meetings in one day and only rarely posting uh, about how, oh, his, you know, his opponent had been out there sometime. Like it just mm. generally he generally struck me as somebody who was possibly even too busy to be pilled, although that's a wild stereotype and not necessarily accurate at all. At all. And as I say it, I'm like, that's not even analysis. It's just guessing. So ignore that last part. Um, <laughs> I, I do want to add the less polished candidates much more open about what the coalition is all about. So it was super valuable to study them. Um, one of their guys in South Carolina was like, you know, an extraordinarily yeah. pilled, raving lunatic. And he just Keith, came right Keith out. Keith Lanford. Yes, Lanford. Thank you. Um, and he came right out and said that he viewed the election as an insurrection and his job was to start the counter-insurrection. Yeah, um, I should... Can I add oh about boy. Blanford? Yeah. Oh, please um, do. Yeah, so Blanford uh, got on my radar. So he has interviewed Juan... Uh, I'm sorry, Wayne. It's a habit. Uh, <laughs> has interviewed Wayne uh, at least three times by my count. He has like this rumble show or something or podcast, what have you. Um, and... You know, the first time he came on, and it started out to me because he was running for Secretary of State at the time. I should note that in South Carolina, Secretary of State does not uh, officially run election administration, although it was part of his platform, I believe, to change that um, to get the Secretary of State involved in in some aspect. Um, but he did confirm during the interview that he he basically confirmed that he was part of the coalition. Um, from, from how he spoke, to, how he spoke to Wayne in the interview, um, yes. he was. All and he was not the only one. Um, I'm just going to mention another example because, you know, I, I, I started focusing on this pretty hard after Marshawn announced this because I think a lot of us, your adjourns were included, you know, some of us were, were, just, were shocked that Marshawn announced this publicly and said what he said. Yeah. Um, there was another, um, in Colorado, there was another person at the coalition who, she wound up losing the primary, although she refuses to accept that, um, Tina Peters, um, yeah. who is now... Nor no, who's also known for being, uh, I believe she's been indicted, uh, county clerk for, you know, shenanigans involving voter, you know, pushing voter fraud. Um, and she, uh, so there was a guy, she ran for secretary of state. There was another guy um, running against her uh, or at the beginning. I believe his name is David Winnie. Um, yes. And he Juan made him drop out. Yeah. So he did interviews with Juan. Uh, or some interviews that included Juan. And they basically talked about how Juan encouraged him to drop out of the race and endorse Peters and Juan, I'm sorry, said, uh, I'm just going to use them interchangeably. And um, Wayne Juan <laughs> uh, claimed that he further is the one who helped encourage Tina Peters to run for Secretary of State in the first place. Um, as far as I know, Tina Peters was never asked about that. But given that she's part of the coalition, it's not impossible. And he said that he's had dinner with her. So it's possible. But the point is that, like, you know, he clearly had, you know, he was clearly part of this, is my point. Even besides what Marshawn said, like, there was real evidence about his involvement. Yeah. So how was the, um, how was the support among, like, in the QAnon community for this movie? Like, were people generally aware that it was happening and were getting amped about it? Or did it sort of fly under the radar? I, I, I know, like, Savin went on these podcasts and other things. So presumably everybody's sort of tracking on what they're trying to do. He would talk about, the, and this is what I, one of the reasons I listened to, tried to listen to all his appearances, because he would talk about it yes. um, multiple times. Uh, he, would, he would reveal information that he hadn't revealed elsewhere. Like, I remember one time he's like, oh, yeah, I just had a, a tall, long talk to Karamo this morning. Um, you know, that's not something you would have known otherwise. Uh, yeah. Although so, we do know that they had, a, they had weekly strategy calls and so forth. Yes, which like, he talked about. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. And... I guess to Go ahead. Your... Oh, no, Wait, can I stop right there really quick? Carrie Lynn yeah. is on weekly strategy calls with this guy? Well, I don't know about the specific members exactly who was on it. I don't yeah. I, I can't say for That's, sure, but it sounded like Christina Yeah. It some were apparently. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it um, be like really striking yeah. to me, but I'm not sure why. I mean it's perfectly oh, no. in character. No, you are 100% correct to be like, well, that would be very striking and very interesting. It's been one of my kind of top questions. And I wish I could, like, be a fly on the wall on one of those calls or otherwise convince somebody in the coalition to just sit down with me and talk about the day-to-day -day operations of the coalition. We do have some new insight on the financial side of it that I don't think I've really talked about in public 
um, or for that matter, in private with Alex, can I yeah. give a quick... Please do. Yeah. All right. So one of the big questions has been, where's money raised by the coalition going to go? Because if you listen to what Marchant says in his appearances and you look at the coalition's website, it says, oh, money is going to go to all the candidates. But it's clear that money wasn't going to all the candidates. And when you actually look at the financial disclosures of um, the PAC that they set up, set up, the biggest single expenditure is to a consulting firm out of Las Vegas called McShane. Now, McShane is Marchand's personal firm. Uh, like, you know, it, it, it ran Marchand's campaigns. So my personal guess of what, as to what's going on, oh, in many of the candidates, even the most recently joined Wyoming, um, ended up cutting substantial checks to McShane as well. So I think some of what's going on um, in, in hard economic terms is that Marchand was setting up this large group, uh, this group that has sort of a marketing benefit of saying, yes, this is for the whole country. And yet, in concrete terms, what he's doing is taking that money and paying his consultants with it. This implies to me that it was primarily funding his campaign, not the others. Um, I just don't know for an absolute fact that that is true, and perhaps my interpretation is too cynical. But I, at the same time, these movements are so rife with grift that I would not be... And, you know, Juan himself is a first-rate grifter. Um, I would not be at all surprised if Marchand was just collecting the funds and using them for his personal benefit while saying he wasn't gonna. Um, it's, that, that's not to say it's all about money. It's not. Marchand is a true believer. He is ideologically committed to the idea that democratic victories are illegitimate. Only Republican victories do or should count. And that America needs to be saved from, like, like my notes on Marchand are titled Jim Marchand Standing Against the Democratic Menace. Um, and they start with open letters he wrote to Newt Gingrich about how Gingrich was being too big of a pussy about confronting Democrats and needed to be more aggressive. Fucking Newt Gingrich! But, I no, I've also been talking for far too long, so I should stop here and just say, like, something well, up. <clears throat> oh, sorry, no, go ahead. This is all good context. I did, I, I did want to kind of, like, circle back to yeah. how... Um, I don't think we even mentioned the results uh, of these races. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Um, so the coalition bombed is the excellent like news the, here. Um, by we're not the talking anticipation about people. Right? Sorry. Yeah. Um, um, I even meant to address that at the start, and then I went on tangents, and I, you have my apologies. Um, no, no. So the original question was, how did the QAnon community think about the coalition as opposed to Q watchers? I have to say, I did not actually see that many Q-pilled people discussing the coalition as, Same. oh, yeah, this is great. Oh, we're finally going to have a chance to make an impact. They supported the individual candidates. They loved the individual candidates. They were picking up, you know, sort of winks and nods the candidates were putting down. Like when Karamo went on stage at a Trump rally and talked about a cabal ruling America, they fucking loved that. But the coalition itself was just not a huge subject of discussion for them. Yeah, can okay. I add to that? I think it's worth noting about Juan O'Savin's position in Q World to begin with, which yeah. is Juan O'Savin had a rep. I'm going to be honest here. I did not really know who Juan O'Savin was Sean said this. Um, and that's, you know, for me. Um, so, like, just to give a sense here, he is more, uh, I would say, on the fringe of QAnon world. There is more of the mainstream quote-unquote mainstream QAnon commu influencer community, I would say. Um, there's this QAnon collective. They're known online as We the Media. I would say them now because they've just become prominent enough. Um, who are kind of like the OG QAnon community. Uh, and then there's more of the fringe people, like uh, the guy who, uh, you know, Michael Prosman, you know, the JFK Jr. cult in Dallas. Yeah. Uh, you know, Charlie Ward. um, Tom Numbers, these are all the people that Juan O'Savin is essentially associated with. Um, this is more of a fringe community of QAnon influencers, even more fringe. And when Juan O'Savin was invited to QAnon John's conference, it was actually controversial. Um, there were some QAnon influencers, uh, like particularly Jordan Sather. Um, I remember Sather, yeah. of, was not happy about it. Peeved, yeah. Um, so it's worth keeping that in mind that Savin is just not widely, he's not liked by all of QAnon world, and that plays a part in this. Okay. So they weren't all kind of rallying behind it, or this wasn't like the Great White Hope. It was just like, oh, I mean, I hope it goes well because I like these individual candidates, and yeah, we absolutely should seize these levers of power so we can 
wield undemocratic, you know, anti-democratic influence. That's kind yeah, of <laughs> yeah. It, it, Q world cheering it on, I think. Okay, so that then leads to the outcome, which it sounds like isn't going to be an event. Not that anything ever changes the minds, right? But to the extent that they weren't hanging their hopes on it to begin with, um, this isn't. This hasn't been the subject of a ultra Pepe lives post to buck people up or anything like uh, we know that the seven crew didn't <laughs> the seven crew went down in flames almost every last one of them but we're we're comfy vaf right uh sorry say that again uh <laughs> no i was just saying if we can move to that part where we talk about the outcome um, yeah what it means and yeah. how it's impacted within the community and then kind of yeah. also thinking big picture about it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, well, so yeah, so as you were saying, um, sorry, your dreams, I hope you're, it's okay if I'm answering oh, this, the election was that smart. So, um, we are essentially waiting on Carrie Lake. Uh, she's the only one I would say that of this coalition that has not yet been called. Uh, if she loses, it will essentially be among the swing States or more swingy States. Um, cause I'm not considering Wyoming and Indiana to be swing States. Um, outside of that, uh, it would be a queen sweep. Uh, dog, dog, Ginamo lost, uh, Christina Caramba lost, Mark Fincham lost, Jim Marchant, the leader of the coalition lost. Um, and so, yeah, it was a surprise. I mean, I'm surprised. I didn't, did not expect almost them to, I figured Marchant and Fincham were both favored to win, but they both lost. And um, dealing with the loss, I mean, what's kind of the rhetoric around that? Uh, I actually haven't seen Marshawn and, and respond. Uh, I know yeah. Finstrom's not handling it well. Uh, I know that I have no queuing on John, like for instance, I believe, well, it might be from other races in Arizona, I might the Senate, but I know queuing on John has been like, don't concede, you know, stuff's going to change his fraud. Um, but I, I haven't seen, I, I haven't seen actually most of the candidates respond. Uh, Myself, yeah. Besides thing to me is um, you would think in a situation like that, like I hear what QAnon John is saying, but at the same time, like the right isn't the right play not to wait for the Democrats to finish the what they set out to do and like rig the thing. Isn't the right move to just like did claim victory, you know, and just start well, acting like you win, right? Well, Nobody's I think that's what that. that's what did notable has been notable to me. I mean, I don't want to, I don't. I can't say that this is, I mean, we're not done yet, right? I mean, the Arizona results could change the, could change this once some of that, like once the governor's race is resolved, that could call, there could be cries of fraud, potentially, you know, baseless cries of fraud. But for now, there have not been the uh, hemp's applying fraud, the organizing, the online, I would say as much of the online chatter that you saw after 20, after the 2020 election. Most of these, a lot of these candidates were, were election deniers have actually conceded themselves. Like, uh, I'll name one, like Dan Cox in Maryland, conceded um, without, much, without much of an issue. Um, I think that's a noticeable and welcome development. Yes, I don't really have a great explanation for why, by the way. I've been thinking very hard about it and coming up with no good ideas. Bunch of dumb ones I'm not even going to fucking repeat here, but nothing genuinely. If anyone else in this chat has a better one, um, I mean, it's not okay one. Trump isn't on the ballot this time, and I should note that by the way, Trump himself has been pushing again false claims of voter fraud yeah, in this election. There, yeah, on true social, on behalf of others, kind of like getting ahead of where Fincham is and saying they're rigging Arizona, blah blah blah. You know, Fincham is out there kind of like, um. Well, his whole thing was like, hashtag just follow the law. And now he's saying the media don't decide these elections. The voters do we need to count all the votes, which is like just not the way that Trump has done it and is doing it this cycle. Yeah. either. So they're not really following his lead, uh, which I think is encouraging. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's go ahead. I, I, yeah. also, I also wonder about their capacity to organize uh, the kind of prolonged and turbulent scenes that we saw during the election. You know, this stop the count chance and so forth um, mm -hmm. in 2022 without Trump directly on the ballot because voters are just a lot more disengaged in midterms than they are in presidential elections. There's, you know, there's fewer of them and intensity often just isn't through the fucking roof, although this was a weird midterm too, so. Yeah, can I mention a couple things? One, um, 
I've seen complaints from, I think he's not, you know, you're not person, but I think it's worth noting because he was such an important major part of the, you know, stop the steal efforts in 2020. And that's Ali Alexander. I think he should be seen him, I think, complaining that there hasn't been more organizing um, since Tuesday uh, for anything, you know, for any of the results. Uh, he seems to have bemoaned it a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I have also noticed that for some, like, I know Wendy Rogers is called for like a pro, pro called for a protest outside Maricopa today, but even that, she seemed hesitant towards, and she seemed to maybe reverse herself. I think what's notable, and it's a trend that you've seen since the insurrection, um, is this fear that anything, like a protest or anything, could actually be some type of, like, they think it's like a fed or a false flag right, that, like, parts yeah. the movement. And I'm yeah. wondering if that paranoia, you know, because that's it, almost certainly not true, or, like, that, that feeling is maybe starting to creep up uh, in this sphere more, and maybe that's starting to make them hesitate more, possibly. At least for now. Yeah. So on this note, um, and Nate Dog, you just posted a, a reply in the thank you for that, kind of showing Steve Bannon talking to Posovic um, about the Maricopa County stuff. I pinned another tweet in the chat, in the space here. I don't know if you can, I don't know if you've, if it shows up for you, but like should be there at the top from Nicole Grigg. And this is a Patriots Rise Up rally outside the main elections office. So this was today. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't try. I haven't been too close about Ali, Ali Alexander. I know he. I know I saw one thing from him, but um, to the extent that something is going to happen, it's probably going to be in Arizona. They did this today, and actually, uh, somebody followed up on it. I've seen one thing that says Cary Lake supporters have completed their march of Jericho around the Maricopa ballot counting center. Yeah. They're now blowing a shofar. So that gives you an idea of how things are going a little bit. Right. Protest and the stop the steal of it all. Yeah. I think one of them is actually wearing a war room shirt. Oh. Um, Steve Bannon. Oh, that wouldn't know. surprise me. Plenty of Mormons yeah. down. Uh, the, I mean, I think Scottsdale, I want to say, is the big Mormon hub, but there's so many. No, Mesa is. Mesa, my bad. <laughs> I'm from Mesa, um, can I Can I actually go take a foot kind of a broader view of with Arizona for a second. Yes. And I was um, hoping to do that. I do want to talk about so Arizona. I think that um, Arizona, as you said, has kind of become a ground zero in some way for the election denial movement, but also it's intersection with human. Um, you know, for context last year, right. So we had, um, so we've had, you know, multiple figures, you know, Ron Watkins, who has some people have, I'll just name multiple things. We've had Ron Watkins, who some people believe has been Q of these sort of time. Um, I will not say one way or the other, although I do think it's reasonable to believe that, uh, at least for a period of time, did run for Congress in Arizona. He lost. Um, the kind of the, what was the kind of ground zero for the election denial movement last year was this quote unquote audit in Maricopa County last year, which was heavily tied to the QAnon to the QAnon community or to QAnon multiple ways. Like there were QAnon figures involved with the audit. Uh, QAnon connected figures were helping fund it, like Patrick Byrne, who's yeah. QAnon ties I could mention if you want me to. But um, we also had, they even indulged like this QAnon conspiracy theory about watermark ballots, which is something Fincherman embraced too. Um, and uh, which is based on like a, 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 some wording from a Q post about water. Like, so, you know, we already had, uh, we also had another QAnon influencer in the state, uh, Austin Steinbart, who's also more on the fringe side, who was basically running a ticket of candidates in Arizona. They also all lost, uh, not in the, in the primaries, I believe, not the general. Um, but just kind of example of just like how the QAnon, QAnon has like a, like a real influence in the state. Um, and Carrie Lake herself, well, I've not seen her express support for QAnon the way Fincham has. Uh, Wendy, or like the way maybe Wendy Rogers has, she has associated with QAnon figures. And she did go on a QAnon show a few months ago. Oh, um, I wanted to, this is wildly off topic. I'm very sorry for this, but I did want to jump in with it because when you were talking about Arizona and the bigger picture, I got excited about this. Um, yeah. So the fact that Fincham ran so far behind the other Republican candidates in Arizona is to me really encouraging. Fincham is like a wildly dangerous extremist. Um, he, you know, introduced a bill to quote unquote set aside the vast majority of Democratic votes from the 2020 election. Mm -hmm. this when he did that too. Um, he's called he called the idea that Biden could really win an election 
I forget if the word was a fantasy or an extremely similar word, but it was something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Um, he. And his evidence he, for that was he doesn't know anybody that voted for Biden. So of there course. you go. Ironclad. Related to that, my notes on Fincham when I was putting together my report actually include this a phrase along the lines of associates with almost nobody except far-right extremists. <laughs> so yeah, of course he doesn't. I mean, we um, should mention that he has associated himself, I believe, with the Oath Keepers, and he was uh, at the Capitol on January 6th. He was there, so, although yeah. not with the Oath Keepers crew. I think by that time he wasn't really... No, I, I can't remember if he was actually... I don't think he in the Capitol. If someone can correct yeah. me on no, that, he, if I'm I wrong. I don't think he was the Arizona yeah. chapter of yeah. the Oath Keepers at one point, and then kind of, I don't know if they had a falling out or what. Um, yeah. but, it, just, but it's encouraging since we're talking about that... Since we're talking about Fincham and, like, funny things about him, I just find it so ironic and, like, um, humorous. That, uh, he's, he's like, just follow the law, just follow the law. He thinks that's the winning thing. But, like, before that, his thing was just decertify, 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 which is completely apart from the law, right? It has, it's, yes. like, the opposite. I don't think the decertify thing is exclusive to Fincham, though. No, no, but no. he was one of the biggest, uh, okay. you know... And and decertification was also a part of that bill I mentioned that he introduced. So yeah, he was he was big into that. But but it was encouraging for me to see that voters rejected that and that he did run behind the rest of the ticket. People understood what was at stake in this otherwise very obscure race. Yeah. And people understood who and what he was. Not yeah. maybe not. Can I give people, some? But oh yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Um, can I also mention of like some other context with Savin? Uh, just some other things that he has said. Because I, 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 I think my frustration and Q-Ordinance 2 over the past year was that one, or Wayne, just in his involvement, did not get the media coverage that we felt it deserved. Um, some reporters have, to their credit. Other reporters had written about it, uh, like at the Daily Beast, Advice, BBC. Um, but, like, you know, in my view, this should have been something I'm, like, prominently displayed in the New York Times, and it wasn't. Um, yes. The Times and- just left seven out. Seven was mentioned as far as I know one time in passing in the New York Times article. Uh, I can't speak to more on that. I, I, I could be wrong, but that's what I remember. I don't know if the Post has mentioned him. But the point is that he should have gotten, I felt more scrutiny, which is what I tried to leave on him. So I'm just going to mention some of the things he's claimed. Um, he, I, first of all, I'm going to note that he, embra- he kept talking about QAnon. It's not like, oh, he talked about QAnon, and then like, once he got involved in this coalition, he stopped. That is not what happened. He continued to push QAnon throughout this past year repeatedly. He would talk about the Q operation, claim 17 was connected to everything all the time. Multiple appearances, he would wear a shirt that had 17 on it. Uh, like a, a, a jersey that had 17 and 7 on it. I think you can, you, you can, you know, it was it was referring to Q. Um, and, he did, and he wore the jersey at least one time while talking about his involvement in the coalition. He had multiple times claimed that 9-11 was a false flag. And 9-11 trutherism is pretty universal in the QAnon community. It's very widespread, but it was still notable. He claimed things that, like, Dick Cheney basically was involved in some secret government organization that, like, caused 9-11, but also the CIA was involved. He proclaimed yeah. that Mark Zuckerberg didn't find, didn't found Facebook, that it was secretly, like, MI6 or something. Bonkers it stuff, was, right? It was, like, it was, oh. yeah. It was just all kinds of... He has such a weird mythology. And will not stop talking about the Osiris myth and the Washington Monument being secretly Osiris' dick. Like, he won't stop. I'm not kidding when I see this. Do you have any idea how many times Alex and I have heard him talk about this? It's so many. It's so many. He talks about Zuckerberg all the time, too. Like, every time. Like, every interview mentioned in some passing. He's also mentioned, and this stood out to me, but given that, you know, he founded this with a guy from Nevada, claimed that the Las Vegas mass shooting in 2017 was basically fake and manufactured. Uh, Even when I pointed out... There was literally, he claimed that there was no rise in emergency admissions uh, in hospitals after the shooting, which I literally checked that and found a Arizona, I believe it was Arizona Republic report soon after that blatantly showed that to be completely false. He then repeated it despite me noting that it was completely false. Uh, and he knew that he was, and I should note that he noticed and started saying openly that he knew that people, that uh, he was being, mo- his interviews were being monitored. Um, and he still said that. Um, so the guy is just like a blatant conspiracy theorist, uh, but it is clear that his political connections in some aspect were real. He's also made other claims about his political connections that were sh- surprising. I can't verify them, uh, oh, yes. but like he once claimed that he's friends with the Supremes. Um, yes. We don't know if that's true, it, so. but it, and given what's happened with this coalition, I can't rule it out. No. It's, it is really hard to sort out 
total bullshit with this guy because there's right. so much bullshit and you start thinking, oh, it's all crap. And then something happens and you're like, fuck. Um, it's, it's just that I personally would not want anyone listening to come away thinking, oh, he definitely knows a Supreme Court justice because he does lie a lot about everything all the time. So finds people who find that, find that that satisfies a deep-seated emotional need to be talked at by a bullshitter. Right. Like, like one, I mean, Wayne's persona per se is the guy who's supposedly like is in the know secret on everything. Like he's this cool insider supposedly like who knows what's really going on. He like he talks about foreign policy like he's some foreign policy expert. Like he pushed like the, the false biolab oh, stuff yeah. with Ukraine. Like yeah. this is he doesn't know shit right? about foreign policy by the way. Every time he talks yeah. about something that I know <laughs> even a little bit about, I'm like, wow, this guy gets his knowledge from a combination of conspiracist bullshit and a vague of you know a loose understanding of the idea as an existing pop culture. Hey, you know, Al, everything you need to know is on qmap.pub. Just go there and you'll find all the information I, to make sense of the world. And absolutely 100% true, and I definitely endorse that. I don't. Please, please, no one make an audio clip of this. Um, but <laughs> it's it does seem to be kind of how he processes the world, that conspiracist knowledge sort of gets primacy and then he will bolt on some ideas that he's picked up from mainstream coverage. Yeah. And I, I think, yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, Jordan. Oh. Um, I was just going to mention one thing since we've talked to, you mentioned the word grifting. Uh, I do think it's important to note with Fabin that he like does sell stuff uh, and he always tries to promote his like merchandise and stuff oh, yeah. with this. But, so yeah. like, I think it's worth pointing that out with, with Sabin too. Well, even if he didn't sell stuff, I would say he's still a grifter because in real life, he is a retired private investigator, which is not, you know, being a PI who is actively working is not that remunerative. Being retired, you're real poor. And Savin lives, you know, flies around on other people's private jets and gets other people to rent him wildly expensive cars. Um, oh, never mind. videos yeah. and his business managers, you know, quite what peacefully appointed giant house, which I would hesitate to call a mansion. Um, like, he says he's in the Trump, the Trump hotels in Las Vegas. Uh, he might have been. There's like, it seems like in videos he's been there um, in interviews sometimes. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention with Savin that we haven't talked about yet is this related thing that he was doing r- related to the coalition, but technically it's his own thing. He was setting up these apparently election integrity forums around the country. Yes, uh, which that paid him also, to show up. And he hired Laura Logan, apparently, to run them or to be like the MC for yeah. at least for a lot of them. And I, we saw one video I found. Laura Logan was on the video with him. Um, I think, you know, for uh, maybe some people here haven't real known, but he used to be at 60 Minutes, just a very quick version. And it's essentially gone down a rabbit hole of some kind. Is now sent to be a far right conspiracy theorist. Um, but she's allied now with 107. Uh, did some of these events. I, I remember one of the events, Archbishop Hillo, uh, literally said, like, after Sabin spoke at one of the events, she called them awesome. Like, the people's, the members of the coalition came to these events, is, is what I'm trying to get out of here. Um, but this was another activity, what have you, that he was doing. This. Also, I'm sorry. Uh, I want to say I'm sorry to you, Prism, that we have sort of turned this into let's talk about Juan or Sabin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, the Please, hour yeah, well, we, there's broader stuff to talk about. I correct you at this point. <laughs> yes, please do. I want to. I want to kind of like tie off the the seven portion. Other than to say, can we? And by the way, origins. You're um. There's a lot of sounds on your end when you're not speaking. Sorry, I'm gonna mute the hell out of this. Sorry. Go on mute. Yeah. Um. I what I wanted to ask was, um. You mentioned Tina Peters. Is there mm-hmm. a nexus there to like? I want to ask about a nexus to bigger things like is Sabin the actual mastermind behind this or there's other people who are kind of like involved so like with the Tina Peters squad to be like Joel Altman and Mike Lindell is involved right like you kind of like have that set of people and, and well, big money to Patrick Byrne right kind of like in the mix there um, so there Pat- Patrick with like Mike Flynn right mm-hmm. like where does it link up with some of the bigger cues? Yeah, so sorry. Um, so Patrick Byrd has claimed that he donated, he told the Times once ago that he donated $15,000 and, and announced at the, comp, at the QAnon conference that he was at one of the meetings, of like one of the early meetings of the coalition. 
Um, Lindell, he also said Lindell was at this meeting. I, I believe he said Lindell was. Uh, but, well, Lindell had, had since denied that he gave money to the coalition. So Byrne's involvement is a little clearer than Lindell's. And Byrne has since then said that he's collaborated with Salmon. Uh, it's, both of them talked about they're essentially friendly, friendly with each other. Uh, Lindell, I believe Salmon has claimed that he's spoken with Lindell. But I haven't seen Lindell personally talk about Sabin. Um, so I would say Burns' involvement's a little more clear. Uh, Bell's, and again, the, and with Flynn, you know, Burn runs the America Project, uh, an organization that like he founded with with Flynn. Uh, so you know, I think it's worth you know, that's you know maybe his involvement. There's a potential, <laughs> yeah. There, and the reason I'm asking is because like Seven puts together his thing and then it does, and it falls flat. Or, like if there's other you know if there's other people with actual influence who aren't just like uh getting hotels comp for him and selling merchandise right like there's real real people with real schemes i guess behind it like we could see something again in you know in the 2024 cycle right like will they right. learn lesson from this and come back stronger right. or is it going to be kind of like well that yeah. didn't work out let's not try again this is um i hope you don't mind me like Speaking, just I mentioned the broader thing, which is about this election denial, QAnon nexus. Um, this was not the only thing. Um, very quickly, like the election, you know, there's this big, you know, I think probably maybe a lot of people here have heard of the, the film 2000 Mules, that false, the movie that falsely claimed that there was this mule like operation to like essentially commit mass voter fraud through ballot drop boxes in 2020. The organization that was basically behind that movie called True the Vote. Uh, had openly in the last months been partnering with the QAnon community with QAnon influencers uh, to basically supposedly like give information about voter fraud that would send to, they would send to law enforcement, uh, and they used them essentially as a way to amplify and build on conspiracy theories they had about a soft election software company called Conic. Um, and there was another lady in, in Arizona um, known as Mel her name is Melanie Jennings who was also partnering with True the Vote. She founded an organization to target ballot drop boxes. She supported QAnon, collaborated with the same QAnon influencers. So it's, the point is, just a very quick thing. It's just to point out, just, this was not just Savin. It was one of multiple I mean, connections between the two movements. Yeah. Yep. So expect to see, yeah, the kind of... There, I, I, I don't know how much it's coordinated or communicating communications going on between those groups other than to say my sense is there's a lot of that between the true the vote people in elections integrity whatever they call themselves yeah melody and, jennings partnered with true the vote she they openly talked about it uh, she was with true the vote yeah and they work together yeah and i saw a video of melody talking about some of the she was like on a live cast on rumble and somebody asked her who was involved and she said, well, you know, we've got all kinds of people and here's these. And then there's young folks. We've got these, uh, turning point people yeah. who, who have come in, you know, like that, I don't think that's an organizational endorsement or anything, but, um, no, it sounds like she just had individual members who were part of turning point USA who were involved according to her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Interesting stuff. Yeah. So I think we've covered mostly the, uh, the, um, I don't know if there's anything else we want to say about it or move on to kind of like bigger implications for the next cycle. And Gander, you're really hitting a lot of great points in these uh, tweets. So, you know, request Mike if you want to come and, and uh, <laughs> we'd love to hear you say it yourself. Yeah. Yes, please do. You're a great speaker. Go for it. Gander, the people want to hear from you. Um. So I am from Arizona, so it's of particular interest to me and um, watching some of that. I think like we'll, we'll have to see what happens with with Carrie Lake. Um, a bit of uh, there was a bit of a thing when who was it like Dave Weissman called called it for um, Mark Kelly uh, in the last like 48 hours. And are you uh, sorry? Do you mean are you referring to David Wasserman? Wasserman. Sorry. Yes. Okay. It is thing, right? Like I've seen enough. Mark Kelly is gonna be the, you know, is gonna win this election, and he, he kind of like tends to trade. He tends to be a leading indicator, right? Like AP is not gonna call until pretty 
pretty well after Dave Wasserman does it, but he's also usually right. But um, that seemed to cause a stir in the same way that like uh, Fox calling Arizona for Trump in 2020, right? Sort of like a similar, at a much lower level, but the same kind of dynamic there. Um, it's like maybe there's something shaping up to to discuss about kind of that, well, the media doesn't call elections thing. They seem to, it, it, it's helpful because you can, you can count on conservatives and QAnon folks to like hate the media to begin. It's a nice, like that's a nice villain to invoke. Right. Yeah. I mean, sorry to interrupt. I, I, I don't know if this is quite what you're getting at, but I think it's been long enough that we could start noticing tropes with this stuff. Right. It's like, uh, usually it's like, Oh, well, I mean, we didn't even mention like during election day, the, uh, the freak out or, you know, the, nefar- you know, the, the misleading use of, you know, the voting machine problems in Maricopa, you know, human error, which is what it essentially was. They got it fixed. Nobody's vote was being discounted. It was just, a, it was just an error, a technical error, which, you know, it happens, but they claim, you know, they, the conspiracy theorists, the QAnon people, other vote election denialists started using it as a way to, you know, claim that everyone's vote, that they're rigging it again. You know, your vote won't be counted there. You know, it's being, it's nefarious, you know, that was starting to spread. That was kind of like, something you could have expected. You were starting to see some time, time. I think some people started trying to reuse the Sharpie gate thing. Um, you start, you still see it and you're continuing to see now they still try to, you know, you always see those graphs, right? looks like, uh, is it like the red and blue? And then like, you know, the, the blue, uh, of like vote totals, you know, as the count goes and then like, suddenly there's a spike. They claim it's like evidence of voter fraud, you know, then those, you know, they call it, you know, when some of them call it dumping, uh, but just, you know, new ballots are being released or not just, more ballots are being counted, um, you know, using the process to claim nefarious means. Um, but we've started seeing this enough that I think you could start, and, and I think people did start noticing in advance, like these are the things that are going to be used to claim fraud when they're not. Um, and I, I think that's what you were starting to see here. I mean, you, you were seeing it here. Is that, a, is that a weakness going forward for the, I, there was an interesting thread uh, and I'm trying to remember who's who. Well, I think it's good because, well, I think what's good is that we can start and there were people starting to pre-bunk, right, this stuff uh, because we knew that or there was a feeling that that was probably going to come up again. And there's a very good chance it'll come up again in 2024. There was more pre-bunking. There was better rapid response. I feel like Maricopa County got out ahead of it more than they did. Like, sure. Yeah. And their security seemed like very the security was very eye-opening. I'll say that outside the voting center. Yeah. But there were some different, different things, but I wonder if they're not planting the seeds for their own, I wouldn't say destruction or downfall or anything, but like their own decline in the, in the tropes of this makes sense to say, uh, people get bored of it. You know, if you see it too many times, it's like, Oh, like that it's old and boring. And also just too obvious. <laughs> like, like I, I start to recognize the trope and therefore I, like remember all the other times it was used on me and i anyway i wonder if it has kind of like that eroding kind of effect potentially where we can look to 2024 and people will be like oh i'm so over that like the playbook doesn't work anymore well i mean sorry i don't mean i don't want to take up all the if if one of you guys has something else to add please do i don't want to take up all the space Oh, sure. So I think 2024 is the big question mark because Trump being involved in it again means that his cult of personality is much more directly activated, much more than it was in 2022, right? But my gut instinct is that they're going to have to come up with something different in 2024. That is a gut instinct. It's subject to change. Don't take it to the bank. Um, but I, I do think the, to- the near total lack of traction um, on even Trump's claims of, oh, this is, this is bullshit, this is fraud, has been really surprising. And when I say near total lack of traction, I don't mean among the QAnon community. Pilled people are absolutely very clear that, yes, this was stolen. I just mean we're not seeing the same kind of activation of the conservative base. It's not remotely the same. Um, yeah. I, I also want to add that while we're talking about the tropes and, of you know the Stop the Steal movement and the way that this information is generated. There's a great follow for everyone on here at Holden, H-O-L-D-E-N. He's mm. an academic at, I believe, Washington State University, and he talks a ton about structurally how do these claims work? What, you know, how can you predict 
what will be generated, um, how can you track the evolution of, you know, more popular and less popular ideas and start to get an idea of where is a particular claim going? Is it going in the trash heap? Is it going to catch fire? Um, he's really shaped yeah. my thinking on a lot of this, and I wish he were here to speak to this because I think there's no one on no one on the hell site, and maybe nobody in the world who would do a better job than him. Well, so, love to have. I him. believe Renee DeResta has also <laughs> talked about this. Yeah, if anybody's got it, I endorse that uh, follow for sure. Um, he's got great insights, and if anybody's got it in with him. We'd love to have a misinfo meetup with uh, with Holden. Sorry, I mean, I believe Renee Deresta has also talked about like pre bunk. I remember she did a thread I think last year about like voting tropes of like in advance of like I think it was about voting, but she's talked about the notion of pre bunking. Um, I believe she's she's talked about it more. I think it makes it very easy to pre bunk when they aren't creative. You know, like when they do try the same playbook, we're kind of ready for it and. I hate yes. to invoke nope. like the epidemiology or like virology example after all we've been through, but like we had no immunity to it in 2016 and a lot of people were exposed for the first time and there was nothing kind of set up in place and it, it really, you know, it burned through the whole population. Well, like that's not going to be the case. That wasn't the case this time and even more so maybe in 2024 with the exception that like, you know, Donald Trump being in the race is, is, um, is a factor. It, it is determinative as a factor, right? Because he, he, in sort of a unique way, is just able to shamelessly lie and push lies, and then and then enforce that version of reality with people through the use of threats and intimidation, carrots, sticks, everything else, right? So I got yeah, kind of like those two competing dynamics in my mind as we as we head into the next couple of years. And- the other thing is, it is entirely possible that maybe they will come up with wild and threads rapidly because there are no, as you say, sort of antibodies to it. Like, nobody could have predicted Italy Gate in advance. Italy Gate was completely uh-huh. fucking insane. But it worked, and maybe there's another Italy Gate out there that's going to hit us in a couple of years. In Canada, uh, just they really hoped... They really hope tabulators was going to be it this time. You know, we were going to we're going to get them on the tabulators yeah. and the. Yeah. Can I mention another thing besides pre-bunking and just a concept I think related to this about whether new stuff will come up? Um, there's the term that's been used. Is it Keith Steinberg? I, I forgot exactly who's made the term, but participatory like misinformation has been mm. like such that term has been such an important like big part of this. It's just like. They're, you know, looking, you know, looking, participating together to, like, find stuff to, like, create conspiracy theories, which then spread. Um, you know, me, it's very possible in 2024 we'll see this trend, you know, this participatory misinformation about voter fraud um, be used to spread new conspiracy theories that gain traction. You know, like, well, you know, it was Italy Gate, it, it was Dominion, Smartmatic. Um, other some other stuff in 2020. You know, it's possible and some new stuff will come up in 2024. We'll we'll see. Or there might be, again, you you might be right. There might be some of the re- same tropes again. But um, I think participatory misinformation means that it's possible new stuff can come up. Yeah. Well, this has been a great discussion. We're at about an hour, so I did want to just uh, maybe have like one or two questions. If anybody's got it from the audience, please request Mike and. Um... You can ask your question, um, and then we'll be wrapping up pretty soon. If nobody's got a question, then that's even easier. We can just sort of get to the end, let people get to their evenings. We'll just hang one second. All right. Well, seeing none, uh, we'll go ahead and thank Alex and Al so much. Um gander and others who commented uh shared replies this was a just really fun discussion (laughs) um i feel it's it's a weird feeling but i feel kind of optimistic (laughs) and that's like um when as i said at the beginning i think you step away from like the red blue of it all and um and you look at it more in terms of like what it meant for democracy and what it meant for this the scourge of misinformation and it seems like a pretty clear win on both of those counts and that to me just like feels a lot better and it was really uncertain right it was really uncertain going into it um with 
where the polls were and how little we can really count on the polls for anything. Um, kind of like heading into these midterms, feeling like it could it could go in the bad direction. You know, what if what if these candidates did better than expected? Uh, what if the polls were you know wrong under underestimating them, and then we end up in this situation where we where we really got some um, bad actors in the system with the power to um, pull shenanigans in a couple of these swing states and um, cause a potential like constitutional crisis. So there could be one anyway, but it's not going to be because Jim Marchant won in Nevada. And for that, I'm grateful. <laughs> so thanks so much uh, for joining and discussing. And thanks to everyone for being here. Yeah, thank you. We'll see you around Twitter if it uh, survives the week. And uh, have a good night. Good night, folks. Good night, all.